Notre Dame looked good. Notre Dame looked really, really good. College football is back, baby. Arizona State, what's going on? You're self-imposing, but I see Herm Edwards, the coach that cheated and lost, is back at ESPN, and he's talking integrity. Don't at me. Starts now. Hey, good morning. Happy Monday to you. Don't at me. Dan Dockett and a cast of characters. we got a great show for you. But here's the deal. Notre Dame looked really, really good. Like, I'm not going to tell you that their star, their star running back looked good against a lesser team. I get all that, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is not Sam Hartman throwing touchdown passes. There was something as I was watching this team, it looked cleaned up. I used to tell my teams, hey, look, do yourself a favor. Go in the bathroom, get some toilet paper, and wipe yourself. Wipe yourself. Clean up here. We're playing bad. We're throwing the ball away. we got to clean ourselves up here, and that's what Notre Dame looked like to me. Now, are they national champions? Sure, let's just say they're national champions. Is Navy the best team in the world? Absolutely. And Notre Dame just thumped them. Of course, we don't know, but of course, we have to, well, we have to hyperbolize Notre Dame, but hey, they look good. I thought Sam Hartman looked really good. And oh, by the way, went to dinner on Saturday night with the uh, with another couple. My buddy Cam Safali, huge Notre Dame fan, they watched the game and his wife was all a tither over Sam Hartman. So not only is Sam Hartman slinging the caca, not only is Sam Hartman going to be ad nauseum, Unless he gets hurt, the Heisman Trophy leader all year long because, well, it's Notre Dame. But now, the women, the MILFs of this world are all over Sam Hartman. Good luck handling that. You know what I'm saying? Good luck, Sam. There's a lot going on there, particularly when the MILFs are coming at you. But hey, as we all know, such is the burden of being a Notre Dame quarterback. And last thing on Notre Dame... The line was 20 and a half. I'm looking it up right here. You know what Double D did? Double D took him, gave the 20 and a half, and won it going away. Next thing you know, this, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a record year. We are $100 up. We're going to keep a chart of our college football gambling. Not from a wins and losses perspective. We're going to keep it from a money won or lost perspective. And right now... We are up $100. I think we bet 110 minus 20. I'll have to look it up. But we are up, ladies and gentlemen, $100. If this keeps going, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, we got drama in college football. You know, I really liked Herm Edwards when he came on my radio show. In fact, I said, hey, Herm Edwards is awesome. I think that's a tweet for me. Some people have been bringing it up. Of course I put that out. Yeah. And then I saw him around ESPN. And then he's a mouth. Oh, you basketball guy, you know, always this crap. And, and I always go to this. Would I want to play for that guy? Would I want to play for him? Gene Cady came to my house. I would want to play for him. Bob Knight came to my house. I wanted to play for him. Norm Slow, national champion, coach, North Carolina State. He was at Florida, came to my house to recruit me. I don't want to play for him. I'm like, yeah, that dude's full of crap. I'm going to go down there and play with a bunch of idiots. Well, I played against him, had 23 and 10, and I had to play against Vernon Maxwell, Mad Max, who was completely insane. So I always go to who would I want to play for? 
Well, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Herm Edwards. Not a chance. And then he gets hired at Arizona State and Herm Edwards is going to save the world at Arizona State. They were going to use a professional model. Only problem was Herm Edwards couldn't coach blind turkeys to take a dump. He, they, he could. He was awful. He was Herm Edwards. He wasn't a grinder. I'll get the grinders in a minute. Team stunk. Long story short, while they were stinking, they were cheating. Yeah, that's right. They were cheating. Impermissible benefits showing up at times when you weren't allowed to. Recruiting, having practices during COVID. All the crap that insecure jackasses do. So here's what happened. And you won't hear this anywhere else. At least you won't hear this from ESPN. So here's what happened. So Herm Edwards says, all right, well, I'm fired. They lose to Eastern Michigan. He's fired on the field as he's walking off. Good for the AD. Bad for the AD that hired him. Good for the AD that fired him. Fast forward. Cheating. Cheating like a crazy person. Still bad, but cheating. So Edwards then, ah, I'm gone. My bullshit will play at ESPN. Yeah, I'll just go back there and talk about integrity and character like it never happened. And none of Mr. White folks and the other African Americans and the women at ESPN have the stones to say, wait a second, what are we doing here? This guy just cheated his brains out. Just cheated his brains out and was horse bleep at it. Because he lost, he got caught. That's the epitome of being horse shit at cheating. If you're going to cheat, win. Win big. You'll always get another job. If you're going to rob a bank, like I tell my kids, don't do it for 10 bucks. Do it for, do it for millions. Don't mess around with 10 bucks. Are you nuts? So Edwards now is back. And oh, by the way, on the Monday countdown show, what do these three guys have in common? Booger McFarland, Herm Edwards, and Michael Eaves. You may not know who Michael Eaves is. First, they're all African-American, but that's not it. Second, they're horrible. They're horrible on TV. Edwards actually isn't bad on TV, and I like Booger as a human being. Eaves is a self-promoter. Eaves' is the only reason that Michael Eaves has these jobs is diversity. In terms of is he any good, he's horrible. He's awful. I treat people based on the content, their character, and the job they do, not the color of their skin, period. Anyway, what hypocrisy. You won't see none of this from anybody at ESPN. Where is Heather Dinich? Where is Laura Rutledge? Hey, Sirius XM Radio, Nicole Arbaugh, Pete Thamel, where are all you guys that are these insiders in college football? Yeah, you're hiding. I can't criticize him. He's African-American. We love her. Yeah, we love her. Hi, I'm Nicole. I love her. Yeah, all right. Good for you. You guys suck. You guys have no stones. You want to know why college football is a mess? That's one of the reasons. I'll get into why college football's messed uh, in a minute. All right, Swamp Kings. Talked to Urban yesterday, trying to get him on the show. He's laying low right now. But I got to tell you, Swamp Kings is awesome. You can say whatever you want. I've watched two episodes. If I were coaching, I would have the workout videos on a loop in my weight room, in my building, in my locker room. I'll be like, all right, hold on. You guys want to win a national championship? This is what you got to do. You guys want to win a conference? This is what you got to do. Uh-uh, uh-uh, you're not doing this. 
the energy, the enthusiasm of the lift, the workouts, the, the Navy SEAL workouts, the toughness, the leadership of Brandon Seiler. Now, here's the other side. Well, it's a puff piece on Urban. Oh, kiss my backside. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's showing you what was going on. Look, you guys got all excited because Michael Jordan's such a competitor. Michael Jordan, oh my God, he could, Michael Jordan could be, uh, his dad got murdered. He was with bookies. He gambles incessantly. He doesn't pay. He's been, not, he's been kicked out of numerous country clubs in Illinois and around the country. He had numerous affairs while married. And you all didn't worry about that. You all didn't care about that. Because he's on the right side of the media. Because you have this idyllic version of Michael Jordan. My version of Michael Jordan is I kicked his ass in a basketball game. I kicked his ass harder in a golf match. He owes me six grand and he's a Welch. But you guys love Michael Jordan. Oh, my God. Oh, the last dance was the greatest thing ever. It didn't talk about his numerous affairs. It didn't talk about his uh, gambling with bookies. It didn't talk about any of that. Why is it that you are mad because they did not go into arrest in Florida, but you're not mad at Michael Jordan's stuff that, well, oh, I don't know, he was doing about 100 illegal things. You didn't care about that. He was doing them. Not players. He was. But we don't care about that because Michael Jordan's on the right side of the media. Urban's on the wrong side of the media. All right. If that's where we're at, then that's where we're at. I, I guess. I mean, all right, sure. But I'm telling you, if you are a coach, those workout scenes and Brandon Seiler, the captain's words, have got to be on a loop. I'd have that thing in players' ears. They would every day get a, a video from me on their laptops about, look at this workout. Do you want to? Do you want to, ladies and gentlemen, win, win big, win national champions, or be a slap? What do you want to do? Because if you want to win a national champion, this is what you got to do, period. Now, I don't know what the next four or five episodes is going to bring, because I'm going slow with this. I have a tendency to just binge watch, but I'm loving this. I'm absolutely loving this, and you would too. Oh, my God, they don't talk about Urban and, and the team. Shut up. Shut the living hell up. This thing is awesome. And the culture of work, the culture of winning championships, the pressure that Urban put on those teams is a master class for coaches. Like, you can be soft all you'd like, and maybe that works for you. I don't know. But what are you trying to get done? Urban Meyer was there to win. You guys can say whatever you want. Well, this happened or that happened. I don't give a damn. Urban's on the wrong side of the media right now. So you're going to bitch about everything. And the media's going to too. Because he's on the wrong side. But the truth of the matter is, he was there to do one thing when he wasn't there to graduate anybody, even though he did. He wasn't there to make better men, even though he did. He was there to win. Period. Wasn't there to raise money, even though he did. And damn, did he win. But, you know, there were players arrested. So the hell what? You guys don't seem too concerned with Georgia having deaths. Having an idiot uh, woman 
recruiting recruiting coordinator. Look, we all know what that means. We can't say it. Uh, drunk with some player in a car at 2 in the morning. What were they doing? Why were they together? I don't know. Uh, did the guy come because she was his recruiting coordinator? I don't know. We don't seem to be mad about that stuff. We don't seem to be angry about that stuff. But Urban Meyer had a player arrested. Aaron Hernandez played for him. So you can't show what actually happened at Florida. You've got to show that according to the little slaps. Bah! Get out of my face. Uh, USC rolled. Some guy named Zachariah Branch scored himself a couple touchdowns. Electric. Reason I bring it up. USC is going to be all the rage because of this. Do you know that not since 1975 has anybody won back-to-back Heisman trophies? In fact, it's the only time it's been done. It's been Archie Griffin. Tebow had a chance, Manziel. A bunch of guys had chances. Caleb Williams, to me, seems to be the guy with the best chance. This would be interesting if he could do this back-to-back. There's always been some type of jinx here. There's always been some type of thing here. Some type of thing. All right, that gets in the way of a guy winning back-to-back. Not sure what it all is. I haven't done the research on it. Uh, Manziel wasn't as good. The publicity, Tebow's team lost. Guys step up. It's hard to win a Heisman Trophy once, much less twice. But this kid has a real chance because the schedule's horse bleep. He's on the right side of the media. Everybody loves him. And away you go. That's it. So we shall see. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys traded for Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance, I don't even care because the San Francisco 49ers just keep winning. The San Francisco 49ers, I swear to God, could win with me at quarterback. I can hand it off. I can't throw. I got the bad right wing. But seems like anybody you throw in there, including Brock Purdy, is going to take you to at minimum an NFC championship game if everybody can stay at least a little bit healthy. So what they do? They said, hey, all right, here's the deal. We're going to move up, and we're going to take Trey Lance, the new age quarterback. <sighs> Trey Lance was the third overall pick in the NFL draft. Now, I'm going to say that again. We don't even know who the hell Trey Lance is. But Trey Lance was the third pick, got traded for a fourth-round pick. Here are the players, DeMar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Parson, that were all taken after Trey Lance. That's right. I said it. I meant it. After Trey Lance. So it's a big mistake. So John Lynch and the fellas, Kyle Shanahan et al., admitted we made a mistake. We move on. Look. Here's the deal. Now, I want you to understand this. When the draft, two weeks before the draft, analysts always say, that's crapshoot. You know, you're lucky if you get a couple starters. That's crapshoot. You know, you don't even know. A lot of number ones didn't make. A lot of number two draft picks didn't make. You know, it's crapshoot. All right. But that's what they say because that's what idiots say. Here's the deal. Once the draft happens, and you make the pick. Those same people that are saying, well, it's crapshoot, are bitching, whining, and moaning. I mean crazy bitching, whining, and moaning about the guy you picked if he doesn't work out. And rightfully so. I mean, we get it. This is big boy business. But I've always gotten a kick out of it. I've always gotten a kick out of this is a crapshoot. Oh, man, it's a crapshoot. God, it's a crapshoot. Well, all of a sudden, what? 
say what? He didn't work out. Well, then the list comes, and you're seeing the list right there. There's always a list of failure. Next time a coach that you like and you have followed gets fired, check out the list. You know it yourself. If you've ever been fired, I've never been fired, but if you've ever been fired, they go through the list. Well, you did this, you did this. That's what they do in the paper. Like when I left Bowling Green, all right, uh, contract was up, told them I'm moving on. Want to get back to big-time basketball. Lost momentum in my program, I'm moving on. Uh, some biggin, a uh, lady reporter, made the list. Well, you know, Dockage got a technical and got kicked out in 2008. Well, you know, in 2002, Dockage did You know, in two, that still list is still being made on me. And I get a kick out of it. Hey, look, Trey Lance, good luck. I don't think this is a shot in the bow at Dak Prescott. Trey Lance couldn't beat out Brock Purdy. I think, though, this is pretty smart if they use him this way. You know, you play against some running quarterbacks when you're the Dallas Cowboys, particularly Jalen Hurts. Who better to practice against than a guy that's athletic and can move around? That's why I would have picked him up. I would have picked him up, we call it, on the come. Eh, a chance. But he could play the guy that you're playing against better than Cooper Rush or any of these other guys. It's a pretty good move. I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad at it even a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, hey, look. Look at me. Look at me in the face. Look at me in the face and repeat after me. Just say no. I'm going to say it slow. Just say no. No. All right? Here's the deal. Biden. Alcohol czar. I didn't even know we had an alcohol czar. But we have an alcohol alcohol czar. Biden has a new war on beer. That's right. We have a war on beer, Otter Creek, Ruel Miller. We got a war on beer, people. I know this is going to blank off. Oh, gritty. Listen to this. Biden's beer czar has no business advising guidance on alcohol consumption. This is who the Democrats are. They want to control every aspect of your life. Two beers a week is what the alcohol czar is saying. It's a Canadian thing. Let's not forget JFK snagged 1,200 Cuban cigars just hours before banning all Cuban products from the United States. Serious business. Serious, serious business. Like, this is insane, right? This is nuts. We're going to ban and go to two beers a day or a week. Let me tell you something. Tomorrow I might drink two beers on this show just to stand up. I mean, what are we actually doing here? You know, I'm going to read you a next story about Fagwa. I don't even know what Fagwa is. But they want to take your pizza ovens. They want to take your butane. They want to take basically everything. Now they're trying to take your beer? Look, I understand people get dug in. They get dug in on political issues. I've said to family members, look, I'm not going to change my mind because of you and you're not going to change your mind because of me. I get it. And I got no problem with it. But I think we can all agree. When the government steps in here and says, hey, hey, 
here's the deal. Uh, we need two beers a week, period. I ain't doing it. No, I ain't doing it. That ain't even in the realm. Uh, they should be voted out of office. If you've ever needed a reason to vote these idiots out of office, this is it. Um, instead of combating rising crime in New York, I've said this forever, and I've been called all kinds of names. You can call me anything you want. But Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, I have zero respect for. So when I have zero respect for, those of you that watch this show, what happens? I can't stop ripping you. I'm sorry, I cannot. And I have no respect for Eric Adams. Remember Eric Adams is like your neighbor that put out that whole thing about, well, you know, we're a sanctuary city. We are love is love. Uh, all lives matter. Nobody's illegal. Everyone's welcome here. We all had it, right? We all had it. And don't at me, that's exactly how your damn neighbor talks that has that up. Even if he's married with 17 kids and a longshoreman. So the sanctuary city, I got a neighbor right here. Um, no one's illegal. All are welcome, except when they show up. So there is a massive problem in New York City. I mean massive. I mean crazy massive problem with immigrants. Immigrants are staying in $350 a night hotels in New York City, Right. Proponents of the state government move say New York City authorities are overreaching by essentially trying to close farms roughly 100 miles away from the city. Advocates, however, argue New York City should be free to regulate itself. All right. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, everybody's mad at everything except for the stuff that's really important. And I, I don't even understand what Fargwa 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 is. What is Fargwa? Anybody that know? They're trying to ban Fargwa over animal rights complaints. And this isn't only the world's dumbest human being, Eric Adams. No, he's second. Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, is the dumbest human being alive. I'll get to him in a minute. But I got to tell you, the Adams administration is sought to enforce a ban on Fagwa over animal rights complaint as producing the fatty liver requires force-feeding ducks at specialty farms elsewhere in the state. Yeah. Bill de Blasio, he, I believe, of the weird stuff sexually, had first signed the ban in 19, and it was scheduled to take effect. The new lady, Hockle, who's the governor, uh, said that the uh, stepped in order the city not to enforce the ban. No good for you. But this guy Adams, because like 10 people showed up and said, well, we're feeding ducks. So what? I eat duck. Duck a la range. <laughs> Jesus. The stuff we worry about. Hey, Eric, let me tell you something. You, you got to fix your crime problem, Eric. You got to quit being just a stand-up diversity hire and be an actual dude. Seriously. You got to be an actual dude. It, it's time, Eric. I mean, we get it. We understand, Eric. But damn. Hey, the blind side is the gift that keeps on giving. This stuff won't stop. Raise your hand if you're tired of hearing about these people, including Michael Orr. You ready? Listen to this. Ready? Michael Orr and the producers divulged how much money Michael Orr and the Tui family actually made on the film. After 
or allege he was never paid. This is from the producers. This is from a guy named Broderick Johnson and Andrew Kozva in People Magazine, which let me tell you something. If it's in People Magazine, it works. The deal was consistent with the marketplace at that time for the rights of relatively unknown individuals. Therefore, it did not include a significant payout in the event of the film's success. As a, as a result, the notion that the Tuies were paid millions of dollars by Alcorn to the detriment of Michael Orr is false. Michael Orr is just shaking it down, baby. Good for you, M-E-M-O. The money must have run out. You're selling a book. You see cap money. You got white people that you can dislike. Of course, your deadbeat father wasn't around and your crackhead mother. They're not the problem. It's the white family. The white family that didn't cut you in right on the business deals. They're the real problem. Not the daddy that wasn't around or the crackhead mom that abandoned you. Not her good. I'm going to sue Whitey. It's what we do. It's easy. It is. Just stop it, stupid. Just stop it. I've had enough of you, Michael Orr. And when I've had enough of you, I'm just telling you, the world has had enough of you. (sighs) Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you read. Apparently, there's a fake rumor going around that Steve Harvey's wife rumored to have cheated uh, on him with his bodyguard and personal chef. Now, was it a threesome? If it was, we got video. It's kind of hot. Look, I don't buy any of it. It's being dispelled. Don't get get after me. I don't want to hear it. I'm tired of all these cheating things on celebrity. Let's get to who's really cheating out there. Let's get to Barack Obama. Who's he cheating with? Let's get to politicians. Let's get to different. Who's cheating with who? Who's Zooming who? I could tell you stories about little ESPN female reporters and who they were cheating with. I can give you that action, (laughs) but I'm too much of a gentleman. I'm too much of a damn gent. Oh, wait, wait a second. What are those eyes? What are we doing there, baby? Okay, baby. All right. I see you. I see you. Hey, by the way, before we go to break, the Fox show last night, Outkick on Fox, sensational. Congrats to my friends, Clay and Charlie and Tommy. Sensational show. Finally, you had a show that actually, relative to sports, tells it like it is. Of course, Riley Gaines was on there. She was terrific. And his Cantor Freedom on there. The only thing he was missing was me. You put me on there, that show's going through the roof. Uh, All right, we got a monster week this week. Sage Steele's going to join us. I think Urban's going to join us. We'll see. Trying to lay low, and I ain't mad at him for it. Football is back, but I got to tell you, look at me. Just look at me right now. All of you on the YouTube chat, all of you on Twitter, look at me. I got a guy coming on next. Man, I got a guy coming on next to save 17,000 Afghanis on the ridiculously idiotic Biden pullout from Afghanistan. He saved 17,000 people. Think about that. He saved a packed assembly hall. And while you're at it, like and subscribe, will you? It's the polite thing to do, damn it. Now let's get going here. Retweet, tweet more. Who are you taking, Florida or Utah? We'll get into that. Hey, without Anthony Richardson and his six for 17, how's Florida going to exist? I got two words for you, Anthony Richardson. He's fun. Could be he sucks. Could be he's inaccurate. But at least he's fun. All right, I can't wait. Stay right here. Tell your friends. Let's go. I'm rolling today on a Monday.
Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, if you haven't taken your shot with DraftKings, what are you doing? College football starting. Professional football is starting, at least in the great state of Indiana. In most states, DraftKings is legal, and it is really, really easy. You begin by depositing as little as five bones. That's $5 into your sportsbook account. Make your first bet of $5 or more on any game, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'll give you something to bet on this weekend. It includes Utah. Here's a kicker. Not only... Do you get any cash winnings from your bet? But you'll instantly pocket $200, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, a $5 bet gets you $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. All you got to do is go to DraftKings.com. Look, you got to be 21 or older, so don't be some kid out there playing with your mommy's account. Be a 21-year-old, be an adult, get to the site, and if you got a gambling problem, call one 800 Gambler. I'm on DraftKings every day. Not that I bet every day, but I sniff around every day because it's fun. Be responsible, though. All right. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, I like tough people. You know, I I do. Um, My father, very tough. My coach, Bobby Knight, really. I mean, I just like tough people. I don't like bullshitters. I'm sorry. I know I'm swearing a lot today, but I'm kind of fired up. Chad, I want to make damn sure that I get your name right. I'm going to take a swing at it. Uh, 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 Chad Robinchek, right? No? (laughs) I've heard it that way before, but no, Chad (laughs) Robichaux. I knew that. I did. Uh, They told me it five times, but I, like you, have been hitting the head a lot, and I swear to God, my, my producer only told me 16 times, and I can't figure it out. But Chad, Hey, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. All right, I got to ask you, you're an MMA fighter. You're an American hero. You saved 17,000 folks in Afghanistan. But you know the frivolous world we live in. We're talking about Zuckerberg against Musk. You've put a group together to train, um, I don't know, you train Musk, put him in the cage. What do you think? You know, uh, you know, at first, when I first heard this, um, I'm like, this is crazy. I, I, I'm not into the whole celebrity fight thing. But uh, the principle behind it, the fact that they're, you know, fighting over free speech and freedom that, you know, my friends have fought fought for and uh, my, my family has fought for for 80 something years. And I've had buried friends uh, fighting for. Um, I, I, I deal with it every day. I deal with uh, my free speech being suppressed every day. Every Monday, my staff has a meeting. And, and the th- first thing we do in our meeting is what can we post on social media and what can't we post because we don't live in a free America anymore. And you got Mark Zuckerberg who's suppressing and censoring conservative voices and people who want to speak about truth and, and values and, and the things that America was built on. And uh, you have Elon Musk saying, hey, this is not right. And uh, and they want to fight over it. And uh, and that's a fight I can get behind. And I, I think uh, I think Mark uh I think Zuckerberg needs his butt beat over this, uh, over impeding our free speech. And uh, I want to be part of it. But Zuckerberg is trained, I believe, in jujitsu. So yes. Musk needs to get himself in shape because, look, well, I've always the said, <laughs> there's no dignity in getting your ass kicked. There just isn't. <laughs> there's none. Right? Well, no, but, I mean, uh, I do applaud Musk for saying, you know, hey, uh, I may lose, but I'm, I'm going to fight. I mean, hey, if, if, if a bully in the playground, uh, he might win the fight, but if he gets punched in the nose uh, and, and gets scuffed up, he may uh, he may think twice. And I, I, I personally, I don't think this fight will ever happen. Uh, 
but I I kind of wish it would because uh, Zuckerberg needs to know that, you know, and, and see the people like the group that we put together coming together and saying, this is not okay. Uh, we're not okay with you imp impeding on our free speech. And, uh, and, you know, if this does happen, like you said, Zuckerberg has been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for quite some time. He is in shape. He is what, 10 years younger. So Elon Musk has the odds stacked against him. And that's why we said, Hey, if he's going to do this, Let's put together a team of some of the best trainers in the world to train him. And so my coach, uh, I'm, I'm trained to, I'm a fourth degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt directly under Carlson Gracie Jr., who's the prince of Jiu-Jitsu, the grandson of the founding of Jiu-Jitsu. He's my trainer. Uh, he's on board. So he'd be trained right from the Gracie family. I'm a, I have 20 professional MMA fights, 18 and two as a professional MMA fighter and been doing martial arts my whole life. Nate Marquette, uh, uh, as one, you know, as a top UFC, uh, fighter, uh, Alex Morano. Uh, we have um, uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, who is the uh, Ultimate Fighter, uh, the tough uh, Ultimate Fighter show coach, and you know, huge uh, uh, name in, in MMA. Uh, we have so many great people that are willing to do this. Thomas Cronin, multiple time world champion, teammate of mine. Jared Chafee, who's one of my training partners. A lot of people want to come in and help Elon Musk to beat him. In addition, I have Bio Accelerator, who is a uh, the CEO there, Eric Scoffers in Columbia, who does all the uh, stem cell treatment for the UFC fighters and does mine as well. I fly down to Medellin, Medellin, Colombia, and do that. They've offered to get let Elon Musk come for free and red carpet treatment to get him uh, ten years younger through their uh, stem cell treatment. So all kind of all kind of help is available there from Musk, and we want to be able to be there supporting the beat up Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg just has a punchable face. And when you go through his history, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I, my dad used to have this saying, and I picked it up. He just makes my ass tired. That's all. He just makes my <laughs> ass tired. Yeah, he does have a punchable face, especially when he's a, you know, a modern day Nazi and, uh, and, and hiding behind, a, you know, Section 230 uh, from Congress and being allowed to do it. I mean, he's a uh, it's it's. It's atrocious what he's allowed to do, and uh, and not just to mention um, suppressing free speech, but what that results in election interference for the for for the leader of the free world. I mean, anybody who wants to have a rational conversation about election interference has to under has to acknowledge the fact that that Mark Zuckerberg impacted the election of the president of the United States uh, through his through his platforms and. Uh, in an illegal way, by the way, uh, not just hiding under Section 230. Uh, not only that, but he's ruined uh, uh, everyday American businesses. I mean, I, I know people personally. I know a, a Korean immigrant who has a hair salon, uh, who's a son of a CIA agent who has been their their Her page has been shut down and she lost her hair salon business because her son made a conservative post. Uh, I mean, they have went after uh, American uh business people and, and shut down their businesses through their platform. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I and that alone makes him punchable. <laughs> and, uh, if we could give Elon Musk a, a good punch and a good ability to, to beat him then, and this actually happens, which by the way, they said they want it to happen in the Roman Coliseum, uh, which yeah. man, who doesn't want to get behind a fight that happens in the Coliseum. Although yeah. you know, I, hope, I hope they have some, I hope they have some undercard fights and let some, some guys that are, you know, professional trained fighters get in there and, and fight the Coliseum too, if that actually happens. Hey, Chad, we have, in my opinion, a disaster as a president and his initial disaster was a couple years ago 
with getting folks out of Afghanistan. You were a civilian, I believe, then. You helped save 17,000 people in Afghanistan. We left behind all kind of stuff. It was an early precursor to the complete insanity that is this Biden administration. Tell your story about being over there when, you know what, it was complete chaos in Afghanistan. Well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, what initially prompted me is – I did eight deployments uh, in Afghanistan as a, I was a force recon Marine. I went over to JSOC task force and did eight deployments as AFO. And my job was a little unique in the fact that uh, I worked more like an undercover capacity to go ahead of my unit to put my soldiers on target to capture, kill bad guys. And, and to work in that kind of capacity, you get teamed up with a, a local national in Afghan. And in all eight of my deployments for continuity purposes, I was teamed up with the same person. His name's Aziz. And Aziz saved my life multiple times. We did hundreds of missions out in the mountains of Afghanistan or across the border in Pakistan, and and uh, and was extremely successful at our job. But but through that through those 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 years, we became very close friends. I was I held his babies when they were born. I lived in his home. Uh, you know, I love this man, his family, and uh, we've been through a lot together. And when uh, and when the withdrawal was good, uh, announced by President Biden, and I knew he was going to surrender. Afghanistan to the Taliban, I knew I had to get my friend. And so initially this started as me putting a team of special operations veterans together to go get Aziz, his wife, and his six kids. And, uh, you know, as we moved forward to do that, uh, things became to come come together. I, I believe, by, by the way, this is a miracle orchestrated by God. I'm not smart enough to pull this off, but all the resources, the doors were open and we were able to go in and, and through this complete miracle, um, you know, uh, we were able to rescue Aziz, his family, uh, his wife and six kids, plus 17. We stayed and rescued 17,000 other people. Uh, we had an amazing team on the ground at the HKI airport during the evacuation. And then later, myself and a man named Dennis Price went to Tajikistan and swam across the Panjir River in Afghanistan to build routes out for women and children. And uh, it was an amazing thing to be part of. It's all captured. I have a book, Saving Aziz. It's being made in a motion picture film. And uh, that captures this incredible story of so many so many incredible people that came together to make this happen. I keep getting, you know, the the credit for it. But the truth is, is I'm not smart enough to do it. And uh, and God orchestrated it. So many amazing people came along to make it happen. And uh, and I'm I'm very happy to, you know, it's it's captured in a book and coming out in a, in a film here soon. Chad, you just said that we surrendered Afghanistan to the Taliban, which is yeah. shocking given where. Donald Trump and his policies pretty much had the Taliban under control, right? I mean, so now this guy comes in. I, I think, and I'd love for you to speak to this, and I yeah. guess this would be difficult for you to speak on because you're such a warrior and a patriot, but it, to me, seemed like it was an early example that the rest of the world doesn't respect the current President Biden. It was a sign of weakness from his office, which permeated through. Am I off base on that? No, you're 100 percent right. Uh, you know, and first of all, you know, I think it's fair to have the other side of the argument that Donald Trump did start. And, and I, I was a surrogate for the Trump campaign. So uh, I'm saying that from someone that was on the Trump campaign as a veterans policy surrogate. But Donald Trump did initiate the talks with the Taliban, which I don't, didn't agree with. But the difference was that Donald Trump would have never gave the way Bagram Air Force Base uh, to the Taliban. He would have gave it to the international community and we would still would have kept the contingency there of special operations to support and advise the Afghan National Army. It was, it was so to speak, Donald Trump politically calling Afghanistan done. Uh, however, the, the difference was Biden uh, announced a full and complete withdrawal. We surrendered uh, Bagram Air Force Base uh, to the Taliban or really 
we responded it to China and our and our other enemies, Iran, uh, Pakistan, ISI. Uh, Bagram Air Force Base, people have to understand, is the most strategic place in the, today's current globe between Iraq, Iran, Russia, and China. And we had a we had this base that was international community was participating there to keep the Taliban at bay in the mountains of Afghanistan. It was working. The United States' role there since 2018 had pretty much shifted to support and advisory role to the Afghan National Army. At one point, we had 2,500 troops there. Uh, at the time of the uh, withdrawal, we had 4,000 troops. So in context, to say that we have to leave because we had this big presence there is, is a lie to the American people. And most American people believed it because we were so war-worn war of 20 years. But the truth is we have 2,500 troops all over the world. I can name 10 places right now that we have 2,500 troops. We still have 80,000 troops in Japan since World War II, 40,000 in Germany since World War II, 35,000 in South Korea since the Korean War on that 38th parallel, keeping the North Koreans from going over. So having 2,500 to 4,000 troops in Afghanistan isn't being part of a long-term war. It's part of preventing wars. As it brings stability. When America has strong contingencies around the world, we bring stability to those regions. And, and that kept stability in the Southeast Asia region. So it's super important for the United States to maintain that role there and support and advise the Afghan National Army. Everyone knew, including Biden's generals, there's intelligence advisors, the 12 diplomats on the ground that sent the descent cable, do not withdraw from Afghanistan, uh, especially in this way, because Kabul will collapse and the, and the Southeast Asia will collapse. But China has influence over our White House. Uh, I mean, everybody knows that to be true. And the pressure is put on the White House and the president, against all advice, decided to do that anyway. And he he evacuated our troops before he evacuated civilians, before he evacuated our allies and before he uh, had control of 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 a. Uh, of the HKI airport and and by the way uh, our 85 billion dollars in equipment it created a complete catastrophe that cost 13 service members our lives we left americans there abandoned we left our allies there abandoned uh we left 40 million afghans and 20 million women and little girls that are going to be sexually enslaved the rest of our lives and uh, and pushed them back you know thousands of years meanwhile china got trillions of dollars of, of lithium mineral rights they wanted from the hindu kush mountains Iran's able to move oil across Afghanistan now, uh, sanctioned all to China, and Pakistan ISI now uh, and China controls the most strategic place in the globe. Uh, so we forfeit our enemies. So to answer your first question, why would anyone in the world respect us? And, and the evidence is shown in that when just after that, Putin puts 100,000 people on the Ukrainian border, flexes, and what does Biden do? He removes our, our, our U.S. troops that were there. He shuts down the embassy and gives Putin a green light to cross the border. And you can see case after case around the world. Uh, Afghanistan was an example to say we have a weak president of the White House. Time to go is now. If we want to get what we want to get around the world, uh, now's the time to act because uh, we, don't have a, we don't have a strong you know, leader, leader of the free world. Hey, last thing, real quick. What what are the paddles behind you? Uh, these are, like I said, as a Force Recon Marine. Uh, some of these are uh, from units I was in. When you leave a Force Re a Recon or Force Recon unit, uh, instead of getting a plaque or a going away gift, you get a paddle. There's a the history and tradition behind that from being in a you know the kind of fundamental one of the fundamental things of being a Recon Marine is being in a boat team when you go through basic reconnaissance course. And uh, the, in the old days, they would go to you had a paddle assigned to you. So that before you left, they would go sneak in the boat locker, steal your paddle, decorate it up and give it as a going away gift. Nowadays, they don't have to steal them, uh, but they make a nice paddle as a going away gift. A couple of other ones are for me being a guest speaker at a graduating class of, of recon school. 
so yeah, very special to me. Uh, that's a big part of who I am and, and, uh, my background is being a recon Marine. So probably displayed behind me. Hey, Chad, I appreciate you, man. I hope you'll come back because uh, you hey, did a great job yeah. here. And I want to hear more as uh, the world continues to unravel or maybe it gets better. I don't know. But, Chad, thank you. Thanks so much. God bless. Great to be on. I'll come on anytime. Man, that was a lot of fun right there. See, man, there's just some special dudes around this world, and I'm so proud that we introduce you to them uh, like Chad. All right, we introduce you to Vivek Ramaswamy few weeks ago, and his political campaign has taken off, right? I mean, Ramaswamy was at the debates, and everybody focused on him. They're all scared of him. Man, they all just, shoo, except for DeSantis. I'll give DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott. I didn't really care. But you know what? Pence is insecurity. Christie is insecurity. They came at Ramaswamy. Well, Ramaswamy just got prayed. Can we play this? I hope we can. O.J. Simpson. Let's hear from the juice on Vivek Ramaswamy. Why not? Well, O.J. Simpson, he came out and he's like, yeah, I got his book. I'm only 30% in the book, but I love what he is saying in the book. It's fresh. It's new. I honestly think that this guy untied that knot for whatever the reason. He has that associates with him and some of the other Republicans. If he just untied it, I don't even know. But Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, he got, well, I hate to associate myself with this, but you know what? Me and the juice combined. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't. I, I, I'm just shocked. I'm stunned. If the juice endorses you, let me ask you this. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Let me just ask you that question. Is it a good thing? Hey, OJ Simpson came out and said, I like that guy. I think it is a neutral thing. I think people are so like, yeah, well, I don't give a rats about OJ Simpson. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a damn if the juice is doing that. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, nah, yeah, okay, good. But, damn, the juice is on the loose. He also shouted out Nikki Haley. Last night I was surprised by Nikki Haley. She showed a little fire. For the most part, I agree with just about everything she said, so I think she won. There you go, juice. You know, the juice used to be looked at as this iconic figure. In fact, to this day in an airport, and guys my age will understand this, when you see somebody running in the airport, I always go, run, OJ, run. Run, OJ, run. But you can't really say that now because I guess then you're like, I don't know, like some kind of supporter of a murderer. But I will say this. I will say, and I was reading Amber Harding's uh, column on this, I will say that Vivek Ramaswamy is somebody to be taken seriously. I will. And if you pay attention to Vivek Ramaswamy, you know what? You will take him seriously if you pay attention. Or you can just do what, like, Mike Pence says. We can't have a rookie. All right. I mean, we got a 38, 46, 55, whatever year Joe Biden in there. How's that going for us? 
I don't know. The last rookie we had in there, oh, I don't know. Uh, last rookie we had uh, looked like to me was pretty good, Donald Trump. Uh, Van Pasterman says, hey, is OJ going to vote? He might get one in the mail. I'm sure he will. I'd probably get three. Uh, Dave Renard with the line of the day says, OJ taking a stab at politics. Uh, let's see. Oh, Dave Renard's on a roll now on the YouTube chat. He says, that's a killer endorsement. All right. Uh, OJ would say, and this is from the rev- resident pastor, I would not have killed Vivek if he slept with Nicole, but I didn't kill Ronald. <laughs> oh, man. Go, OJ, go. What else you guys got? Yeah, he was on his way to the Hertz counter. That's right. He had to get there. Go, OJ, go. Oh, my God. Uh, this guy says, run, Forrest, run. Well, you might be a little younger than me, but 99% of the people uh, that I know say the same thing. Go, OJ, go. <laughs> oh, man, I absolutely love You got any more in here? YouTube chat? Anybody got any more? Because it's pretty damn good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. When OJ speaks, we all must listen. All right, this is the dumbest thing you're ever going to hear. You ready? Get your pens and papers ready. Crime in Chicago, we all know about the murder rate, but I'm going to tell you the truth because I see both sides. I was in Chicago last Wednesday, and it was awesome. I didn't feel unsafe. Now, I know we're going to have to listen to all of the different statistics, and I know I was in the, I guess, rich, let's just say, I guess, white area. I don't know. I saw a lot of African-Americans. I don't know. I was at Comiskey Park where they just had a shooting yesterday or two days ago uh, after a rap concert was canceled in the park. We'll get to that in a minute. But I got to tell you, Chicago's got a lot of problems. But where I was, it was all right, having said that. So now there's a huge carjacking problem in Chicago. There is a massive car theft problem in Chicago. So now, you know what? The mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, is saying, yeah, we got a problem. So I'm going to sue the car owners. That's right. I'm going to sue Kia. I'm going to sue Hyundai. The impact of car theft on Chicago residents can be deeply destabilizing, particularly for lower to middle income workers who have fewer options for getting to work and taking care. The failure of Kia and Hyundai to install basic auto theft prevention technology in in these models is sheer negligence. And as a result, a citywide and nationwide crime spree among automobile theft has been unfolding right between our eyes. Let me give you another thing. Let me just give you another side. Maybe it's a lack of accountability that's making people go out on crime sprees. Most of these kids are 18 years old. Maybe it's a lack of fathers. Maybe it's the fact that there is no prosecutor, this goes back to accountability, that's going to put him in jail for anything. Maybe people in Chicago know that the dumbass mayor is going to say, well, it's racist. It's the car dealer's fault. You kids are just being disserved. You're not being served well. You're only in it to get some bread, man. No, there's no accountability. Prosecutors suck. Because of race, uh, the, well, the mayor is out of his mind defending his people, as he calls them. That's where your crime problem is. 
Hey, look, man. When you got no accountability, no one's afraid of the rule of law, you got young kids with no dads, no direction, no mentors, you got problems like this. It ain't Hyundai's fault. It ain't Kia's fault. I mean, I don't know. Maybe everybody else has more advanced safety systems, but I looked this up. Toyotas are the most stoled cars in Chicago. Why aren't we suing Toyota? (laughs) Man, I got to tell you, every single time, although I will say Kia and Hyundai's are over half combined. Oh, man, it's never, ever, ever, ever the fault of who's doing it. I'm surprised it's not white guy's fault. I'm surprised it's not my fault. Middle-aged white dude, got to be his fault somewhere. Damn. So anyway, maybe this is a good thing. Hyundai is committed to the comprehensive actions we are undertaking to assist customers and communities affected by the persistent theft of certain vehicles not equipped with push-button ignitions and engine immobilized. Our dealers across the country are maximizing the number of anti-theft software installations and can be performed on a daily basis. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just love it. I I just love it. Dude could murder 15 people in Chicago, and it ain't the people's fault that did the murdering. It ain't. It ain't their fault. I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? Sometimes you got to just laugh. What else we got here, ladies and gentlemen? This is awesome. This is awesome. Every kid in America that plays sports visualizes the pressure moment the jump shot to win the game, the two free throws to win the game, the putt that wins the U.S. Open or the Masters, right? The catch, the throw to win the Super Bowl. Well, a kid did it yesterday. Luis Lape accomplished something. Every 12-year-old, Dan Dockett's 12 years old. God, I wanted to get to the Little League World Series. Man, oh, man. He hit a walk-off home run. He had a walk-off home run to beat Carousel to win the Little League World Series for California and, in essence, the United States. How awesome is that? Dude hit it, walked it off, he crushed it. The world is a happier place. And that kid forever, I'm guessing because we see this all the time, whether it's our buddy Todd Frazier, Cody Bellinger, Bryce Harper, we see forever. I got to see his 13-year-olds. I got to see all kind of guys. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that, ladies and gentlemen, will stay with that kid forever, and I hope we see him in the big leagues. I do. I hope so. I think it's awesome. That kind of stuff I love. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Burgess Owens, the great congressman from the great state of Utah, former NFL player. He, ladies and gentlemen, gave Donald Trump an endorsement. He gave him an endorsement. Think about that. I love Burgess Owens because he thinks for himself, and he's a real dude. He's not some fake dude. He's not some freaking lawmaker from Omaha, Nebraska, going at Riley Gaines. I mean, what are we doing? Jeez, I can't wait to talk to Burgess Owens. Love talking to the man. Be right back. Burgess Owens, hey, Get to the YouTube chat, get in there, scrap it around, see if I mention you, let's go. That's it, I gotta take a break. 
We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. I'm very proud to call this man a friend of the show. I am. United States Representative Burgess Owens from the great state of Utah, a state that I have spent a lot of time in, in Paradise, Utah, and a friend of mine's whose house is so remote you got to go on a gravel road, but it's one of the great places ever. Burgess Owens joins us. All right, you're not afraid. You went up, jumped up, and gave Donald Trump your endorsement. Let me ask you two questions. One, why? Second question, are you concerned at all that he may not be able to run given the charges that he's facing? Uh, no, I'm not concerned about him being able to run. Uh, at the end of the day, that, that will work itself out. Uh, we do have uh, a rule of law which says presumed innocent until proven guilty. And uh, it's going to take a long time for the other side to do the damage that they're trying to do. Why Trump? Very simply, uh, I was one of those guys who just wasn't really sure when he first got the nomination. I'm just, I, I, I didn't know if I could be able to vote or not until I read um, in October of 2016, uh, the New Deal uh, uh, for for Black urban, for Urban America. It was a promise that uh, the president, that uh, candidate Trump, had made to the black community that I had never seen before. It dealt with 10 different tenets that dealt with things like safe neighborhoods, uh, safe churches, good schools, uh, opportunity to have jobs, to, to protect black business, things that have never been brought to the place before. All these promises the Republican Party has been making, Democrats, none of them come through. Well, he kept his word. And I tell you what, what I'm seeing right now, more importantly, is American people, the, Amer- the black Americans are seeing that he kept his word. Uh, it, it, it's been it's been interesting because I uh, I've always had this, this this idea this vision that at some point the black and Hispanic communities will come back to their base our conservative base of family faith free market education and when we did that we'll pull our communities back and we pull our communities back we will pull our country back I never knew that Donald Trump will be the genesis of pulling our country back and our communities back right now we're seeing urban America realizing the uh, persecution of a former president, and they they empathize. They're getting it. They don't like bullies. So it's going to be exciting time, I think, for us as we start to see the black communities, Hispanic communities come back to our base, recognize we have a, a, a former president who stands and loves our country and loves them, and we're going to really do some good things as we get back in 2024. I'm excited about it, to be honest with you. All right, let me, let me go this route with you because I followed this, and I mean, I followed this for a long time. I, I know I look like I'm 29, but I'm 61 years old, and I, I've been following Trump. Trump <laughs> only became this evil racist once he became a Republican. I mean, I go back to the days of seeing him, hell, at Studio 54, seeing him with Jesse Jackson, seeing him with Al Sharpton, seeing him give money, do things, but now he's a racist, and I got to tell you, I, 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 one thing I learned, I grew up in Gary, Indiana, in and around Gary, Indiana, and one thing I learned, you can BS some people, but you can't BS African-American folks. You, you can't. <laughs> you just can't because they want truth. And I think, to your point, we're seeing people say, wait a second, we're getting BSed here by Biden. We didn't get BSed by Trump. Yeah, well, it, it comes down to a couple of things, uh, and and that that the word I used earlier it's called empathy. It's a powerful concept for our country. Uh, we have a country that, at the end of the day, we 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 live in our little freedom bubble until we can see things that's happening that's going to impact us, or see things that's happening to other people that will could impact us. And what's happening right now is the black community, and I think communities across the country, even Democrats, even independents, are realizing if you can persecute a person like President Trump. 
have, have they have, they, have, they have no shame. These guys have no shame. They they are, I think in, in in a sense kind of desperate. And when people start seeing that, they begin to and it's our DNA to to stand up for those who are being persecuted. It's kind of who we are. And what's happening with the black community once they make that switch, like I did back in in uh, back in the seventies. Once you make the switch, you're, you're over. You're, you're done with it. Uh, and once you understand that these guys, the Democratic Party, is about destruction, is uh, is bullying, is intimidation. That's how they grow and how they go. And and at this point, at this point, we're seeing it full full fledged with a with a with a president that uh, has really stood up and had done very very well for the black community and really for all, all, all communities when he was when he was in office. Let me. Let me ask you this, uh, because I'm not necessarily sure. It used to be if two guys in a bar told you it was the truth. Now it's like if you see it on Twitter, it's the truth, right? So I, I, I am seeing a number of African-American folks in different cities be very vocal about standing up for Donald Trump. Very vocal. Is it different this time than it was going back to the election a couple years ago in the African-American community? It- it's different because we now uh, have contrast. Uh, we understand what it was to have a dollar seventy-five cents gas. We know what it is to have a job. And actually, at the end of the day, a president who had the lowest unemployment in the history for blacks, for women, for veterans uh, across the board. We had a, a border that was sealed up. So we had people coming across the way they should be, respecting our country, respecting our laws. Everything that Biden has done has turned up, has turned, turned things upside down. I've never seen a president who's been so capable of doing anti-American policies in such a short period of time. And I tell you, at the end of the day, everybody's feeling it. It's one thing to talk hypothetically about how bad things get when you're feeling it every single day. You can't pay the groceries. You can't go, can't put the gas in your car. Uh, you're seeing our kids being, being abused and attacked in a ways that we've never thought could happen. This is where our country begins to wake up. And I tell you, uh, President Trump has proven that he loves our nation, that he can stand up against the bullies and he gets respect day one. When he goes in office, they won from enemies and friends. He'll have that respect. And that's what a country is thriving for in so many ways, no matter what our background is. By the way, let me just say this. What he did was put together policies, American policies, not black policies, not Hispanic policies, American policies that work for everyone. And that's why we have so many business owners growing like they were, um, uh, people feeling free and, and safe in their communities. All those things were happening, even if, even as they as they were going after him in, in unbelievable ways uh, as he went through his presidency. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I thought his policies, at least from my perspective, worked for everyone. <laughs> I also feel the contrast that you're talking about. Look, going back to the initial move um, that Biden made, which was a disastrous pullout in Afghanistan, and we just had a guy that was involved in it on earlier. Barack Obama's statement about never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to F things up certainly rings true when you contrast it to what Trump was doing. Well, there's no question. Um, I don't think anyone could point to one policy, one action that he's done to show that he, that he loves our country and loves people. Uh, he's absent. Um, uh, he's drifting. I think he's getting worse. So the question is, who's behind the scenes? Who's actually putting these policies together that that put, puts our country in, at, the, at, at the threats that they have right now? And at the end of the day, I, I also look at the complacency, the, um, the, 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 the media, what they have done to be part of this process of hiding what he's done. At some point, they're going to have to pay a price, too. People will begin to turn off the TV when you realize you've been lied to. And, and the, the media has been an unbelievable in terms of how they have protected 
um, um, provided for this guy and gone after uh, outside the conservatives in a way that has, has been totally unfair. Do you uh, did anybody stand out to you in the GOP debate last week? I watched it. Uh, not not really. I mean, it was it was. I, I, I wanted to make sure I had a chance to hear from from all sides. Uh, at the end of the day, there's only one person that can literally from day one step in office, and uh, and, and our American people will know that we're in good shape. I, I tell you what, I'm excited about is that now President Trump understands exactly where how this how how these guys operate. He'll come in. He'll start cleaning things up. The deep state can no longer hide from him. He will not come in and have a couple of years of just trying to figure out where things are. He'll put the right kind of people in place in the very beginning. And we can start to, to really give back our country for the layers of bureaucracy and power they've been adding up for, for many, many decades. We can begin to strip that stuff away. So all we're asking for, for the American people, we want to get our country back quickly. Give us a strong, hefty uh, House, a Senate majority, and a President Trump. And I'll tell you what, in 2024, 2025, our country will truly be working to get become great again in so many ways. And across the board, what, no matter what your background is, what whatever your difference might be, we're going to start coming together once again like America always does. You know, one of the things, um, that whole make America great again, you know, people have vilified it. They call you names if you support it. But that goes back to Ronald Reagan. That goes, Bill Clinton used that. And I, I got to tell you, I think now, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, because, again, of the policies of Biden and how much they have hurt all people, I think people might buy into the Make America Great Again because of that contrast. That saying may have legs now as opposed to just being something that people denigrate or, or dismiss. Think, think about this. And this is really uh, the power of the hard left as they um, continue to repeat things over and over again. Here we are saying, make America great again. They have managed to make that something that people are afraid to say or afraid to, to repeat. Personally, I cannot wait uh, for the opportunity to get on the plane again, put my, my MAGA hat on, and say, yes, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to, to stand up for our country. And, uh, and, 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 and like it or not, I, and that's what a country has to get back to. We have to stop being afraid. We have to stop being uh, intimidated. Stand up for who we are. Stand up for our great country. Be bold. And I'll tell you what, that is the one thing that the hard left, the bullies do not like, they do not appreciate, when you just stand up against them and say, I'm, I'm going to be who I am and I'm not going to back down. And that's American in, 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 in the greatest fashion. We have to be, get back to that. And I'll tell you what, we've been going through the series of the last couple of years of learning what fear looks like and what they do is they take advantage of it. Let's not be fearful anymore, my friends. When you go back, you told me off air, you got basically a week recess over. You're going back to D.C. What will be the first thing uh, that you and your constituents will be getting going on? What will you be going? What will you be doing first? We have a couple things that are very, very important. We have to make sure we're, we're taking care of our um, the end of the year debt we have. Make sure we're, we're taking care of that. We also have uh, uh, impeachment inquiry that we'll be dealing with. Uh, I think that's time, time for us to have that conversation. And, 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 and actually, at the end of the day, keep in mind, it's an inquiry that allows us to just get the information we need to do our due diligence, not an impeachment at this point. But it's very, very important that we get that done. So we have a, it's a very short period of time. We have a lot on the plate. Uh, and at this, this point, my, my, my hopes are that as we come together as a, as a, as a conference, that we be able to continue to keep the priorities we have to keep our promises with, America, with our Americans out there. Uh, and um, and I think we'll do a good job of that. So we'll, I'm looking forward to getting back and, and getting busy for sure. 
I want to clean the, I want to make sure people understand this. You're not specifically saying we are impeaching. You are inquiring, which means, as you said, the gathering of information. I think when people hear impeachment, they immediately go to it. There's a process involved here to get to that point. Yes. That, that process is, by the way, something we did not see uh, with the Democrats. So I want Americans out there who, who are frustrated, who think we should just dive in. Let's let's do it the right way. Let's do it the way the Constitution asks us to do it. And keep in mind who the who the jury truly is. It's the American people. It's not those that, that those of us might feel very, very strongly about what Biden's doing. We understand what he's up to. The American people have to understand that. And you have to keep in mind, so many do not because the media has, has shielded them from truth. So this inquiry will allow us, first of all, to cut to the chase. They can't uh, slow roll this process anymore. And it's a very good way of, again, putting people in a place where they have to be honest, they're under oath, and they'll have to pay a price if they continue to to hide, obfuscate, or, to, or whatever they might do to try to slow roll what we're doing now. So it's a very important one. And I'm hoping that between our um, uh, our, our two, you know, the, 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 the parts of our party, we can put that together and make that happen for sure. How, what's the time frame on inquiry to proceedings? That's a good question. I have no idea. Uh, I, you know, that's, this is all new to me. Uh, just the idea of understanding the difference between impeachment and, and impeachment inquiry is something that, that I've, I've, under, I've come to understand now, and it's something very important. But uh, we have, a, we have a, a speaker that is very strategic. Uh, he hears from all the sides of our party, and he wants to make sure that we're giving the American people everything they need to do in the right way, uh, where they can respect the process and whatever decision we make in terms of impeachment, they will see, yes, you're right to do it one way or the other. Be, uh, and that's, that's what our goal is. So, uh, listen to this for the speaker. He'll kind of give us an idea how that works out once we get back. Hey, last thing before I let you go, I'm going to jump to the other side. Okay. Is every candidate in your mind, and maybe we haven't heard enough, but you, you you deal with this every day. You deal with the Democrats. You deal with the liberals. Is this an ideology, what Biden is doing? And it doesn't really matter who you put in office. It's going to be the same ideology. It, it, or, or is there somebody that you see as a Democrat and you go, all right, this guy can move into the middle. This guy's got a little common sense or this gal has a common sense. Is there anybody on the other side that you think, all right, that might be interesting to hear the opinions, the the, the programs, whatever it is that this person wants? That's going to be up to we the people. Uh, at the end of the day, we have Marxists running, running the show right now. We have folks who are, have no shame in terms of uh, degrading our Constitution and, and bullying and intimidating our people. I'm disappointed that we don't have, don't have any Democrats to stand up against it. Uh, we have to have a, a, a nation that no matter what side of the we sit on, when you have corruption, when you have uh, destroying people's lives, that should be an empathy that every one of us have. So we the people in 2024 will have to bring together Democrats who care about our country first, not party. And we need to get away from this whole uh, Pelosi thing where she, she was a dictator pushing everybody to do the same thing across the board and they all uh, act west. Well, we have to get past that. And American people in 2024 bring Republican to give us a majority and for those who want to continue to vote for Democrats, bring the right people on board to love our country first. Why and when did this start? Where everybody is like, I got to tell you, I played for Bob Knight. You played for great coaches. You know, you look at who would you follow. Like, I always thought this, who do I want to go play for? You know, you had a number of coaches, I'm sure, come in. You know, you chose to go to the U. You played for I, I did too. I, I, I can't imagine following a 
quote, dictator or following Nancy Pelosi anywhere? When, when did it start that so many Democrats, and maybe the, I think Republicans are a little more open-minded against each other. When did it start that Democrats just like sheep walk this line behind Pelosi, behind Biden and these people? When did this start? This has been going on for, for several decades, and this is, I think, why COVID is such an important thing for us, that we had a chance to kind of pull back the curtains a little bit. What happened is we uh, the Democrats got rid of the, the blue dogs, Democrats, those that, that had a love for our country. might be different area, and, and other areas might have some, some differences, but they loved our country first. They loved the American people. They got rid of those guys. We have this hard left progressive Marxist communist group that really hates our country, hates Israel, hates the, the idea of, of free market. Faith, family, free market, education, they hate every single one of them. So, again, it's been a while. And then you start seeing what's been going on in the school system. How do, how do we get these kind of these kind of um, leaders? Well, they've been trained through the college and high school system for a long, long time. So we now are beginning to do those things. We have to, to, to get our country back, educating ourselves, number one, giving us our kids choice, making sure parents have the rights to, to, to oversee the, the direction of their kids, not some government. All those little areas sitting out border, make sure we're secure, make sure our businesses, 6% of our, of our growth is based on small business owners. They've been under attack for a long, long time. We now begin to, to, we have to start teaching the free market and why it's so important to have the risk takers like our small businesses out there making things happen. So we're in the process of David, giving it all back. It's going to be a while, not, not a long while. 2024 will be a big one for us. We can turn this thing around very quickly, but we're now finally waking up. And I think I'm, I'm very, very positive and optimistic because of that. Man, do I enjoy talking to you. I can't thank you enough for being a friend of our show, Burgess. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it, buddy. Always good talk with you. Look forward to doing it again soon. You take care. Yeah, man. That's Burgess Owens. Uh, just great. Just common sense. It, it just astounds me how you can sit there day after day after day and watch a guy lie, watch an economy that's in the toilet, you know, you can tell me the economy's great. You can make up numbers that jobs because we lost them in COVID, but try going to the store. I bought yesterday or, or, like a 12-pack of A&W Zero Sugar Rupert, which all of you know I love. It's my addiction. It's my thing, A&W Rupert. I was like $9 a 12-pack. It used to be 4 That's all I need to know. And you guys, of course, instead of a discussion, you guys will lose your mind on, I want root beer. How can we get back to common sense? How can we get back to, hey, let's go and just be smart and help us. Us. And I don't even want government helping us. Just make, make it do your job. That's it. Just do your job. That's a big football saying, right? That's a huge football saying. Do your job. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think, do you think that this current administration is doing their job? I don't think it's doing their job at all. You know, there's a great video out there of Biden trying to go physically at a uh, factory worker. I don't work for you. Well, who do you work for, Joe? I mean, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. I mean, who, who does, I mean, I would love the YouTube chat to tell me if Joe Biden doesn't work for the people, who in the Sam hell does he work for? I mean, that's not even a discussion, is it? I, I'm telling you, it is the damnedest 
thing I've ever heard. It is un-effing believable. When you go back and you look at videos, maybe tomorrow we should have a let's go back and look at videos of Biden, the racism, the lying. You know, honest to God, it's astounding to me. It is. And we just go along with it. That's all right. That's fine. Eh. Trump bad. Orange bad. Orange bad. Orange bad. What? What? Orange bad? Why? Well, he grabbed him by the book. That's talk. Bill Clinton actually did. I don't know what Obama was doing. I don't know what Biden's been doing. But I know his first wife was married when he was married when they started hooking up. Yo. God dang. It, it, you know what? I've never been this frustrated. I told you I don't want to pay taxes. I've just never been this frustrated. I thank Burgess Owens. Hopefully he will bring back some sanity to this world. Hopefully. Hopefully he and others. Uh, it's just astounding to me. And I think it's astounding to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got more for you. Stock up, baby. Stock up, stock down. This is where our crack, not on crack, our crack staff, it's a saying, people. I don't want the Indy Star saying, Duncan says his staff's on crack. (laughs) No. I don't know. Maybe they are. But they do a good job, so who cares? I'm on their ass a little bit about that OJ video. Get over yourselves. Anyway, Zachariah Branch, the wide receiver, came in and everybody was saying, look at this kid. Look at him. Yeah. Look at that kid right there. He got the Under Armour. He's at the game. He got the goggles. He's got all the swag. And all he did was score a couple touchdowns. That's right. He scored a couple touchdowns in his debut. So I am all in on him. Look, as a freshman, it ain't easy, baby, to come into USC. It ain't easy to go be a freaking stud. But you know what? This guy became a freaking stud quick. He reminds me a little of myself. That's right. I said it. Hopefully he has a better end of his career. But when given a chance at Indiana, I was a stud early. Look at him. You got to put your mouthpiece in. I don't want to see you have a problem. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley talked about what an effing mess college sports has become. You know... Sir Charles, I'm going to text him and try to get him on the show this week. But I got to tell you, Sir Charles ain't wrong. In fact, Sir Charles is right. One of the things I like about Sir Charles is all the white dudes, Billis and all these white dudes are afraid to take him on. It's one of my favorite things. You know, other white dudes can say anything, and these guys, Doyle, Billis, all these guys will be all over them. But Charles Barkley says it, man, they're afraid because they know, number one, Charles has a bigger following than them. And number two, he just don't care. He don't care. But Charles Barkley's saying that college sports is a complete effing mess. He ain't wrong. College sports is a complete effing mess. And I thought yesterday, I think it was yesterday, Charles Barkley was talking to Rory McIlroy in the middle of the round. And he's like, hey, Rory, you got a bad back from throwing your daughter in the pool. Man. Barkley wasn't having, Barkley wasn't having none of it. And I love it. I do. I love it. How's your back? It's okay. You got to, you got to get your speed up on one of these drives today. I think you're lying. See, uh, but I can hit the ball up in the air. I got to keep it low. 
Barkley's not messing around. Barkley's saying, hey, it's the way it is. I love it when people tell the truth. I love it when people are unafraid. Like, college basketball's worse without me. I'll continue to say it. It's terrible. Nobody says anything. Get out there and say stuff. Get out there and be yourself. Get out there and have some satchel. Damn. All right, I already talked about him, but I love him. And by the way, Barkley's not wrong about college football, college basketball being accessible. El Segundo. That's right, El Segundo Little League, World Series champs. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. There's like eight bazillion kids. I love Little League and the World Series so much that I wanted to take my son in Bowling Green. They didn't have a Little League World Series. They weren't part of Little League. They had a great youth program. My friend Tim Dunn ran it as better than anything, and I'm glad Andrew stayed there. But I wanted him to have the opportunity to play in the Little League World Series because I just think every king could. That's how much it means to me. But you see that kid right there? That kid did what every kid in the world wants to do. Luis Lappe of El Segundo hit a walk-off home run to win the Little League World Series. Now, the kid's about six foot eight. That's all right. All these guys, ladies and gentlemen, every one of them has a stut. Has a stut. Stock up. Because that kid did what every single kid wants to do. Van Pasterman said he was Ted Kitzel or Randy Whitman in the damn driveway. I was always scoring over a guy named Wallace Bryant who played in the NBA for a long time, played at Gary Roosevelt, or John Hegwood who played for San Francisco when they were number one in the country, or Frankie Smith who blocked shots like crazy man at the University of Arizona. He played at Emerson too. I was always trying to hit floaters, left-handed scoop shots, in my brain. They were a little older than me, and I only played against them in the summer. But those are the guys that I was like, oh, man, three, two, I got to hit it over Frank Smith. So everybody's done this, right? And these guys, this kid, Lappy, he got a chance to do it for real. And I absolutely love it. I love it. I don't kind of like it. I love it. Period. It's great. Stock down. Michael Orr, I'm thinking I've had enough of you. The producers of The Blind Side have come out and said, hey, Michael Orr, uh, nobody got paid that much because that is how movies are made. See, here's the deal. Uh, my nephew is a big-time agent, and he puts movie deals together. And the deal is simple. You don't pay people like Michael Orr and the Tui family big numbers up front. Now, you want to do the life story of Peyton Manning, you're going to pay for that. Charles Barkley, you're going to pay for that. But the Orr... Or, Someone like that, you're not giving them anything up front. You're not even giving them much of a percentage of the movie. What you're doing is you're saying, look, we're willing to make this movie. We got financing. And once in a great, 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 great while, it becomes the blind side. So these producers are like, yo, uh, Tui's didn't get that much or he got the same Go away is what they're saying. It's totally false what Michael Orr is saying, and I'm not surprised. Why? Because the man is trying to sell a book. If I ever write a book, my life's not that interesting, but if I do, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to sell the book. I don't want to tell you. Clay's got, like, the number one bestseller in the country, Clay Travis, and he's going all across the country to do what? Ucha capesta. He's trying to sell a book. Is that so hard? I think he's a shakedown artist. I think this is all a shakedown. But there's always two sides. 
And there's always a backstory. I'm not exonerating the Tuies at all. I'm not. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is, you know, me being wrong. It would be a first. But there's always a backstory. And Orr is filing this lawsuit for a reason. Look, I love this. I will not stop talking about this. When you are a city and you are Chicago and your crime rate is through the roof, are you going to blame it on what? You're going to blame it on the white guy. You're going to blame it on police, right? You're not going to blame it on the drug dealer that gets an Uzi and starts shooting up his own neighborhood. You're not going to blame the 14-year-old that thinks it's cool to go carjack in River North. You're not going to blame the gang of kids that chased uh, my my stepson uh, Jared's buddy Zach down the street that is not next to Rush. It's parallel to Rush, Bellevue. You're not going to blame the African-American kids that chased this guy. You're certainly not going to hear it. They punched him. He got away, ran, went into the Thompson Hotel. You're not going to blame it. You're going to do what this guy, the mayor, does, and you're going to blame the car company or somebody else. Now, this guy here, Brandon Johnson, who is a complete clown, beautiful for him that he got elected, but this clown is suing Kia and Hyundai for their cars not being safe enough in Chicago. Hey, maybe he's right. And Hyundai, being stupid, says, oh, well, you know, we're doing better. No, you just say, look, how about you start having a prosecutor and a mayor's office and a police department that gets supported by said prosecutor and by the mayor? How about you have some consequences? How about you put bad guys in jail? I don't know. That seems to be reasonable. But I guess, of course, it's not. Of course, it has got to be Whitey's fault. And, of course, it has got to be the police's fault. And now it's the car dealer. You know, not the deadbeat dad that didn't show up and want to know where his 14-year-old kid is. Not the mom who, who most cases, though, mothers are great. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you on that. I'm not going into moms. Moms busted. But at some point, you got to get a little birth control and not have a bunch of kids if you can't be a dad to them. Like, if, if, look, there are ways for dads to have birth control. What do you cool kids call it? Strap up. <laughs> but we got so many clowns, men, having babies in Chicago and then not supporting them. We got 14, 13, 12-year-olds even, 10-year-olds even with guns. And we got the drug dealer running the streets shooting up people. Hey, look, those are just the facts. Them to berries, baby. Uh, Luis Robles. I just laugh. I do. I, I, I just get a kick out of everything. I do. Look, you can say stock down. You can say stock down on Luis Rubales. I say bad mistake. Look, in this day and age, this guy who is the head of the Spanish Federation got so excited that Spain won the Women's World Cup, he put a big smacker. Yeah, he did. Right on the lips of Hermoso, Jennifer Hermoso. And now... Jennifer Hermoso, because, well, this is what you got to do. You feel violated. If I had a nickel for every woman to grab my arm uh, when I was single and took a little peek at my package or gave me a kiss on the cheek, seriously, when I was single, if I wanted to sue, I'd be a bazillionaire. Hey, look, life happens sometimes. I'm not saying what the guy did was right. I'm also not saying what the guy did was horrific. Guarantee you people got around old Jennifer Hermosa and said, that was unwarranted. That was assault, so now this guy's got a problem. Now, uh, the Spain, Spain's World Cup winners are refusing to play. The Football Federation is uh, threatening legal action, 
And to Robles' credit, and this is why I'm not going stock down with him, to his credit, he's fighting back. Look, he shouldn't have done what he did. It's stupid. I don't know what makes you think you're going to kiss some random woman on the lips. Look, if you're hanging out and you take a swing, you take a swing. But, hey, after this, I don't know. It seems weird to me. Look, if you and some woman are having a great time, you know, and this happened to me, a woman reached over and gave me a kiss, and I'm like, hey, look, I'm good. I didn't think it was assault. I think it was, hey, look, it's like when you're in sixth grade and you're at the movies or eighth grade with the movies, and you put your arm around. You take a swing. But that swing by Robles was stupid. I mean stupid, but I'll give him this. Man, it was kind of in the moment, wasn't it? I mean, it was kind of like how hard these folks worked, including him, to get Spain to beat the United States to win the World Cup and made a mistake. We'll be right back. Come on. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, what a show we have, and I appreciate everybody that has been uh, paying attention. It's Britney, bitch. Britney, Britney Mahomes uh, is blasting her critics, right? She's saying, I don't give two shits about my critics. Well, yes, you do. I got to tell you, Britney Mahomes is starting to become like Meghan Markle. Brittany Mahomes is wearing my ass out. As my father used to say, she's making my ass tired. I get it. Your husband can throw a football. I get it. Your husband's a hero. I get it. We all get it. Who doesn't get it? We all get it. But damn, Brittany, what are we doing? Every day we got to listen to you talk about how you don't give a damn. Every day we got to see where you're mad at somebody about something. You're a wife. Go be a wife. Bill Burr said it best. You know, everybody says that... uh, Housewife and mother is the hardest job there is. Yeah, compare that to, oh, I don't know. Standing a post in Afghanistan, you're pinned down. Oh, I don't know. Being on one of those ships that catches all these fish. But hey, you can do it in your pajamas. Your husband's a bazillionaire and you're entitled. What do you want to say? You've got more money trying to make you look good than any other woman in America. But you're mad when everybody doesn't kiss your ass. Get over your entitlement. Stop it, stupid. Just stop it. You're giving me a headache, and I don't want you to give me a headache. I want to like you. All right, you're on red carpets. You're showing your ass. You you know, whatever. Cares. And you give a damn big time about people's opinions. You do. You do. You care a lot. And I got to tell you, that's just the way it goes. I used to care, yes, but not anymore. I could give two blanks about people's opinion on me that don't know me. Yeah, okay. Look, I I get it. We all get it. You know, he's the new guy. You know, the guy in the right's an idiot, Jackson. The whole family cares. The whole family, except for Patrick Mahomes, is ate up with fame. The guy throws a football, so we're supposed to care about his every word. We're supposed to care about his whole family. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. Hey, this is interesting. Otani and the Angels uh, are a little bit at odds here. They don't need to be at odds here. The GM of the Angels says that Otani turned down an MRI weeks before he tore his ulnar, UCL nerve. Huh. That's interesting to me. I'll tell you why. If I were the GM and I had Otani on my team, 
Or if I were Otani and I'm up for a big contract, I got to tell you, man, I don't think I would turn down anything regarding my health. I've always said this about health. Get the best. Just get the best. That's it. Get the best. So get the best, have the most, do whatever. Period. Like I have a friend who had a liver transplant, Ron Heklinski, great dude, fantastic coach and a good friend. He tried desperately to get a hold of Walter Payton when he was looking for a liver transplant because he told me point blank, best liver transplant place in America is the University of Kentucky. Ron was a big name in Indiana, still is. And the University of Indiana Medical, they got mad because he was going to Kentucky. He's like, look, you go with the best, period. You don't mess around. You don't mess around. It's that simple. Period. So, Tani, you're stupid. You're stupid. Hey, John Stockton, he of the short shorts. And if Michael Jordan wasn't around, Carl uh, Malone and he might be the best duo in the history of basketball. They might have won a bunch of titles, but you know what? He was around. Now, people are mad at John Stockton, of course, because John Stockton said, yeah, screw the COVID vaccine. Screw all that stuff. So everybody's mad at him, right? The Spawn, USA Today. So he's going to get painted in a bad light. He says it would be maddening to be a LeBron James teammate. I don't know what it's like to sit in that front office and have things dictated to you like a plan. It appears that LeBron is. All right? I don't know for sure that he is, but it sure appears so. I think it would be maddening as a teammate to know that you can be expendable for one of his guys that he thinks he needs to play with. The iffiness it causes with the team, the iffiness that it causes upstairs, I don't like it, and I'm not a fan of it. Of course, LeBron then gets you know, defended by some little writer. He says, well, you know, LeBron isn't the only NBA star. Yeah, okay. Yeah, who gives a crap? And, of course, they all talk about the player empowerment movement. The player empowerment. Yeah, my ass. Player empowerment. You know what? They shouldn't shut up and play. They should talk about social issues. But I don't want to hear about their empowerment to run a franchise. Yeah, I don't want to hear about that at all. No. No, 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 no. Not even a little bit. Not even a guy as smart as LeBron. And make no mistake, LeBron is smart. Now, he tries to hide it by being an idiot. And not, no, that's not fair. LeBron is not an idiot. LeBron is very smart. Now, the whole, I'm going to read one page of a book and that kind of stuff, I get it. You're trying. You go. But you know what? I don't, I'm, if you give LeBron that power, I cannot be mad at LeBron for using that power. You want a team? Don't give him that power. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but don't give him that power. If you're going to give him that power, he's going to use that power. We talked about Rubelais suspended for 90 days. And I got to tell you, um, just don't kiss people. Kiss your wife. Kiss your girlfriend. Ask, hey, can I kiss you? You know, it is what it is. All right, this is weird. Now, I was in Chicago at Guaranteed Rate Field last Wednesday. And it was hot as hell. And I got to tell you, everybody there was awesome. There weren't very many people in the stands. It was 102 degrees is one thing that I saw. We were lucky. I was paying off something for our golf outing. And Benetti and the ticket guy did a great job of letting us kind of, there was a section where you had seats outside, but you can come in to this hallway. And there were concession stands. And it was kind of a club area, but not really. It wasn't that fancy. But I got to tell you this. 
We didn't have any shootings. Now, you got to understand, Comiskey, a.k.a. Guaranteed Rate Fields, on the south side of Chicago. It's in the neighborhood. They took the Robert Taylor homes away across the street. We used to park over there and then walk across 35th. And you know what? We used to crap ourselves. We'd park in the McDonald's parking lot, walk across 35th, and until you got across 35th, you're like, hey, we can get shot because there was always rumors of snipers. True story. There's a big wall in left where the scoreboard is. And rumor is they put that big thing up, that big scoreboard in left, because snipers from the Robert Taylor homes were shooting at workers as a guaranteed rate field was being constructed. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Wrigley. That's the friendliest place on earth. But at Guaranteed Rate Field, they were supposed to have a rap concert. No offense, but these things don't really happen at Christian rock concerts, do they? I don't know. But apparently the rap concert was canceled, technical difficulties, so some fellas or ladies commenced to shooting. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. Are you surprised? Absolutely not. There is nothing we're surprised about when it comes to Chicago and guns. It's just the way of the world. So you got a couple people that actually got shot. I believe one died. How about that? You can't, how do you get a gun inside a ballpark? How do you do it? Like when we went there, they had metal detectors. I had a fake hip. I forgot to tell the guy, so the metal detector went off. How does a fake hip go off and a piece, a strap, with one in the hole, two in the hole, because two people got shot? How do they not find that through a metal detector? How do they not do it? I don't understand. But it is what it is. All right. College football was back, baby. That's right. And I won me a cool hunter. Only made one bet. I didn't like what was going on with USC and San Jose. I got a friend. I think he's the offensive coordinator now. Hecklinski's his last name, actually, uh, at San Diego State. And I'm not betting against Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke's a damn good coach. So anyway, I wasn't betting against Brady Hoke. I wasn't getting involved in that game. I like one game. That's my new strategy. I'm going to find – it may be 10 games a weekend. But I got to tell you, college football is back, and Notre Dame looked very good. But in my opinion, the news of the weekend in college football was not Notre Dame. It was not Navy. It was anything but Arizona State. Arizona State, a place where nobody's cared about football ever. They hired Herm Edwards. He of all energy. Oh, yeah, go fight with Herm. And all our, everybody said, oh, he's an inspiration. Laura Rutledge and Heather Dinich and all the little girls and boys at ESPN. He's an inspiration. And Herm Edwards was going to the desert. He and the AD were going to build something special. Well, it didn't work out. They stunk. They lost to Eastern Michigan, and the AD, new AD, fired him as he was walking off the field. Well, Herm Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, also cheated. He cheated to the point where his own school said, hey, I know you players are here. But we don't care. 20 of them are left over from Herm Edwards. Because this guy was such a cheat and a bad one, bad because he got caught, number one. If you're a good cheat, you don't get caught. And bad because, number two, well, frankly, your team was had a losing record. Your team stunk. So if you're going to cheat, I've always said this. If you're going to cheat, go big. If you're going to cheat, win big. If you're going to cheat, or rob a bank, rob it for a bazillion dollars, but Herm Edwards can talk. And he's all enthusiastic. 
and he looks you in the eye and he's got hermisms. He's got, he's known for his motivational speeches and sound bites given at press conference. Yeah, okay. Uh, Herm Edwards went 26 and 20. That's it. Now you got to understand, you play crap teams for half the season. So he goes 26 and 20, 17 and 14 in the league, and they fire him because he stunk, because he was cheating. So you got a bull ban, an NCAA investigation. But what happens to Herm? Well, ESPN says, come on back, Herm. Come on back. We got to have you back, Herm. And tell us about integrity, Herm. Talk to us about character. Give us those great motivational bullshit speeches that you give us, Herm. Let us know. Laura Rutledge, Molly McGrath, Pete Thamel, uh, Michael Eaves. Booger McFarlane, all you guys, tell us how inspirational this cheat is. Let us know how this cheat, this man who couldn't coach wild turkeys to take a dump and cheated, is inspirational. I got to be her. I got to talk like this. You play to win the game. Does that make me an icon? You're a fraud, Herm. And just another example, another example of ESPN pandering, of ESPN being ridiculous. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The Monday Countdown Show now has Booger McFarlane, who's been awful. I mean, he was given the best job at ESPN, lasted a year. Herm Edwards, who was a cheat, a cheat and a bad coach. And Michael Eaves, who said Sage Steele isn't black enough. Boom. That's their Monday Night Countdown. And we'll all tune, I won't tune in, but you all will tune in because, well, you know, you know, it's Monday Night Football. We'll watch two dogs play if it says Monday Night Football. All right, last thing before I get to Woke Dope. I don't give a damn what any media guy tells you. Swamp Kings is excellent if you're a coach. If I were coaching right now, I would put Swamp Kings, or if I had a son, I'd put Swamp Kings on a video loop. Like, I got a little TV over there. It's mounted on a wall behind a bar. I would put Swamp Kings on a virtual loop if my son was down here working out, like, say, he's in high school. And the loop wouldn't be the whole thing. Like, you know, I don't care how many guys got arrested. I used to. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Urban Meyer was brought there to win. And he did. And he did big. And he did unprecedented. He won two times. Now, at Florida, a place they had won one in 100 years. And when you look at the players like Brandon Seiler and others, of course, we see Tebow here. You look at all these guys, man, did they work hard for it. Man, did they get after it. And I was talking to Urban yesterday. He said, you know, it brought a tear to my eye watching this. Because, man, when you're going through it, you know it. But then you really watch it and you really know it. And I'll tell you something else that struck me about Swamp Kings. This was Urban's first or second year, whatever it was, second year. They didn't have the greatest facilities. I remember going there and they were building. There was a big reconstruction and their weight room and their facilities weren't great. It wasn't great. It was okay. It was good. Not great. In fact, it wasn't even okay or good. But these guys didn't care. So you can get mad all you'd like about Urban I guess, I don't know why, uh, 
having players arrested. Why don't you get mad at their moms and dads? Why don't you get mad at their brothers and sisters? Why don't you get mad at their high school coach? I mean, by the time they came to Urban, hey, pretty much who they are. Well, Urban recruited me. Yeah, he did. And you know what the goal was? Win national championships. You know what Urban did? Won national championships. Period. That's it. Now, Florida people are still mad at Urban because the program's been a a mess since he left. Hey, that's all right. In fact, I almost got in a fight, literally, a fist fight, walking off the floor at Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Florida was playing at Wisconsin in basketball. I was broadcasting the game. I'm minding my own business. I'm going to the car because I got a long drive home. A couple boosters came up to me and said, hey, Dan, we really like your broadcast. I said, thanks. But your friendship with that traitor sucks. And I go, what, what are you talking about? And they mentioned Urban. I go, and I got, I got hot. You mother blankers. You mother blankers just kiss his ass when he won. And now he left. Your program sucks. No, he left. Blah, 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 blah. i like, shut up. You hired him to win. He won big. You guys are such pains in the ass that next thing you know, you're mad that he left and you're taking it out on him. And I almost fought the guy. Two guys, actually. Because I just had enough. Sometimes you just have enough. Now, I haven't been in a fight in a long time, and Lee laughs at me when I tell these kind of stories, but had she been there, she probably would have said, hey, Dan, you should have dropped his ass. She probably would have. But anyway, I don't know. I nominate Jen Gritty as beer czar. If I go to the Ohio State-Indiana game this weekend, Jen Gritty, you got to come over to our tailgate. And we may crown you. I may bring, where's my crown? It's over there. I may bring my crown and crown you as beer, beer czar. My, hey, Dan, did Urban ever lose to Michigan? No. No. I'm the czar of truth. I am. Boy, does that look good. Mm-mm-mm. All right, boys, girls, give me the woke and dope of the day. What's going on in wokey and dopey? Sorry, you almost lost your 67 Corvette in a fire, Mr. President. How about that? Hawaiian rental. This is in reference, for those of you that don't know, to Joe Biden saying and comparing himself and making it about Joe Biden. This is about Joe Biden saying, well, you know, I can understand how you lost your home, your family and everything. I almost lost my cat and my 64 or 67 Corvette in a house fire. Really? When the house fires, a little fire in the kitchen that was contained, and the police, or excuse me, firemen were in and out in 20 minutes. But hey, Mr. President, you make it about you. That's what you should do. I think so. Who doesn't think so? And if Mr. President Biden, I hate to even say those words, I'm glad that Hawaiian Rental is making fun of him because it's so absurd. And if you vote for this guy again, you have no empathy. You know, remember when he went on that Charlemagne show and that Charlemagne guy cowered when he said, hey, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So a white middle-aged dude tells young African-Americans, if you don't vote for, vote, for me, you, vote for me, you ain't black. And that Charlemagne guy just took it. Biden has some kind of control over everything. I don't know if he's giving out payments to everybody, but good for Hawaiian rental. I don't know if there's a Hawaiian rental around here, but if I ever go back to Hawaii, I'm going to Hawaiian rental. What do we got next? Man, I look good today. Black does me right. 
Double D likes the mocha. What's next? Oh, I like this. Who's the guy in the middle? Oh, Steve McQueen. The three coolest Americans who ever lived all have a mugshot. You know, it kind of makes me want to get a mugshot. I'm not going to lie to you. It kind of does. It kind of makes me want to get a mugshot. Look at Trump. You know who the guy is on the left? Lee asked me. She goes, who's this guy? I go, Frank Sinatra. She goes, are you crazy? Steve McQueen on a motorcycle made women want him and guys want to be like him. And Donald Trump, I got to tell you, I wonder if he consulted somebody before he took this. How should I look? Should I smile? Should I act like I don't care? How should I look in a mugshot? Trump's got more money than God. He's got people around him. I wonder if he consulted with somebody. If he did, it'll come out. Amen. How should I do my mugshot? I don't know. Seems like that would be something you would consult because you know it's going to be the most famous, the best picture everywhere. Everywhere. You know it's going to be out there. That is three pretty cool cats. Now somebody's going to get mad. Oh, you're all white guys. What are you going to do? Who's next? (laughs) Oh, man. Is that an axe to the head? What is that, Nick? Am I seeing an axe to the head? I don't know. I ain't mad at it. Look at the Democrats. You can always put together a picture of deranged Democrats. You can. You can always do it. I don't know what to tell you. You can always do it. That's pretty funny. Oh, that's a shining. Yes, 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 yes. Here's Donnie. <laughs> yeah. I always wish I could put my eyebrows up high. I used to practice it because I, you know, Costanza said it. If you want to really not work and you want to look like you were, always look aggravated. (sighs) Here's Donnie. That's pretty good. That's really good. Oh, man. What a day. What a day. There's the shining picture. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholson. Oh, man, college football is here. I think we're going to have the bear on to talk about who we should bet on. Probably should get Hammer. Hammer's like the king. He gets a degenerate bet going. And, of course, Sage Steele going to join us on Wednesday. Hope everybody had an absolutely great time on the show. Thanks for all that came out on the YouTube chat. Thanks to all of you that have supported us. Of course, Nick, Nick, too. Dylan, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, send me the video from our golf outing. I want to put it on all kinds of social media as I'm starting to pay these things off. But anyway, I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful week. By the way, Kent Sterling and I, at 11 o'clock right here, probably 11.10 by the time we get started, are going for, I don't know, about 45 minutes all local on the Colts. It's called Two Big Brains. We're going to get that on the OutKick channel. That's good stuff. Two Big Brains, go to YouTube, Two Big Brains, search me, and you will find us coming up here in about, I don't know, 10 minutes. I don't know if Kent's outside. Uh, I don't hear the dog barking, so maybe he's not. But anyway, thanks to everybody, Gary and Aaron, 
Aaron, I let you down this weekend. I'm very sad about that. Second round in a golf tournament, I completely crapped the bed. Uh, Joe to the sea, Van Pasterman, the Otter Creek, King Nuts, Joe, uh, Keith M, Rick Bungle. Uh, let's see, Uncouth, Gritty, Chat, and Beerzar. Yeah. All right. Samuel King. We got Gary Matthews, Rudy JPG, Known Unknown, Brad Buffington. Yeah. Last thing before we go, this just popped up. A new poll of Americans say Don, uh, Joe Biden is too old to be effective in his second term. You think? Really? No, really. Oh, but Bernie Sanders is endorsing it. Well, look, I'm old, but I ain't that damn old. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Don't forget two big brains coming up right here at 1110.